It's hard to imagine a better fate than a long and lustrous winter for the U.S. dollar. Well, hello there, my friends. Rafi here from the Endgame Investor with this week's Silver Report for Arcadia Economics. And this week, I have a timeline. Well, it's not my timeline exactly. It's Daniel Oliver of Mermican Capital's timeline. And if you've known me for a while, you know that he is my favorite monetary analyst for his deep knowledge of monetary history going back all the way to the Roman Empire. There is no guy that matches him in terms of academic and historical knowledge of the monetary system and of monetary history. And he puts forth an argument this week that we are within two years at most of the next major bust, which of course will lead to the next, and I believe final round of money printing, where the gold to silver ratio will descend for a third time in 100 years to the 15 to one ratio that it has historically been at for the past several hundred years when both gold and silver circulated as money directly. And why do I think it will go down to a 15 to 1 ratio? Because in the immediate aftermath of the endgame, there will be no choice but to use silver coins as media of exchange on a retail level because there will be no gold substitutes that are functional. And for a short period of time, we will see that ratio and that will be the endgame bell ring, at which point you should spend your stacks, as I've said repeatedly. We're going to go into that timeline why I believe it is accurate doesn't mean that it's going to take two years from now, but I do believe it means that we are at most two years away from the final crash and the final round of inflation, which will bring the dollar as the world's chief gold substitute to its glorious end and the reinstitution of gold and silver as money, whether by central planning or from the bottom up from the public, either way it's going to happen because there will be no other choice. And while we're at it, the Brinks fault is at its lowest level of registered silver ever. And we're back down to 27.6 million ounces of silver registered on the COMEX after a 3.22 million ounce withdrawal from the Brinks fault, which brings us back down to a new post silver squeeze lower within a hair's breadth of it. This week's Silver Report is brought to you by Fortuna Silver Mines, symbol FSM. And like all gold and silver miners at this point, uh, it is falling. And if we look at a chart, a 10-year chart, no, actually a 14-year chart going back to 2010, uh, I just want to bring some logical clarity to this. It is always hard to buy low. It is extremely difficult, which is why so few people succeed at trading. But... I drew a red line here where the uh, the price is where we are now at $2.85 or right around there. Historically, since 2010, how often has the stock been below this price or at or below this price? Very, very rarely. Once in 2010, uh, very briefly in 2013 at the silver crash, very briefly at the end of 2013. And the, the most sustained period that it was under this price was about six months from uh, mid-2015 to the beginning of 2016, and very briefly for a few weeks or maybe a month in 2020, actually just a few weeks. These are very rare instances that won't sustain at that price level, especially because Fortuna is still profitable despite all the stress that it's undergoing. But I want to point out two things here. 
One is uh, once when uh, two times when we were at this price level or below it, uh, right from that major low, we went twice to an all-time high of just around $10. That was right uh, at the uh, beginning of 2016. It only took a few months, about six or seven months to get to the all-time high of 10. And here too, we were, we were below it uh, in March 2020 during the beginning of the, of the uh, lockdown fiasco. And we went all the way to an all-time high, just around $10. Uh, again, about maybe eight, nine months later, something like that. Uh, so these opportunities uh, for if you're interested in Fortuna, this is not advice. Uh, if you're interested in the stock and it speaks to you and you like its business strategy, uh, then these are the price levels that you want to load up on if this is your strategy. Beginning with this week's silver report, silver is still, despite the negativity, within its trend line, touching its trend line that it has been established since August 2022 at the major low then touched it here. Touched it here, touched it here, that's three, four. This is the fifth touch. It could break, that is possible. If it does, then we'll be at what cyclists, what technical cyclists call a yearly cycle low. And those are typically major buying opportunities. Uh, yearly cycle low, as the name suggests, only come out around once a year. And if this trend line is broken, uh, it would qualify for that uh, cycle low technical reading. Let's continue with, go, with what's going on at the silver stocks at Comex. We had a big, uh, major withdrawal today, all from brinks of about two, three point two two million ounces, I believe. Uh, and if you look at the brinks chart for the brinks vault for silver, going back to as long as we have records for, I think this is twenty eleven. Uh, thanks, gold charts are us. Uh, we see this uh, chart is a day behind, so we don't see the fall here to. Uh, 4.437 million ounces of silver, but that is an all-time low. Uh, we've never been this low in the Brinks vault. And the Brinks is a major vault that ha has a lot of um, uh, ups and downs to it because there's a lot of trading that goes on in this vault. Uh, I think this uh, the Brinks vault falling to a new all-time low is significant. How significant? Well, if we look at the overall supply of registered silver at the comics, we're back down to 27.6 million. This one says 30.83 because we're a day behind on this chart. Uh, but uh, the, the latest numbers are 27.6 million, which is just within a hair's breadth of the low the established in June since Silver Squeeze, where I think the uh, high at Silver Squeeze is 152 million. We're now at 27.6 million. Uh, and we have a uh, an active silver delivery contract coming up, uh, active delivery for an active silver contract coming up in nine business days. Uh, now, I want to go into the other silvery metal here, and that is palladium. Uh, this is a platinum group metal. I've noticed that something weird is happening with this metal. Uh, and here's a long-term chart. You can see uh, the price versus open interest. Now, open interest since June 2022, that's this little low over here. I think I zoomed in on the next chart, but if I didn't, in case I didn't, uh, this the open interest here in palladium has doubled from... Uh, about 10,000 in June to 21,000 now. This is 20,500. This is day behind. It's now 21,000, which is very rare for platinum, to, sorry, for palladium to be at that open interest level it is a post uh, lockdown era high. So something's going on in palladium. It is being highly speculated for, speculated on by something or someone here, which has rocketed open interest up, doubled it in the space of a month. And it looks like maybe uh, quadrupled it since 
uh, the first quarter 2022. And we have palladium, an active contract, and palladium being delivered in nine business days along with silver. And we do see here that we had a, a major short squeeze in palladium in the open interest, uh, which hit an all-time high at around 2013, but going all the way down, uh, trended down as the price skyrocketed from uh, about $1,000 to about $3,000 in that time frame as open interest fell. So we're we're in a potential short squeeze for palladium here. What does that mean for gold and silver? I don't know exactly. Uh, I do follow the platinum group metals with one of the corner of my eye, which is what I'm doing now. So we'll see what happens in the next few days. Uh, if we're going to get a palladium short squeeze or not, a big one, a little one, we'll see. What I said about a two-year time frame. And the link in the description below, I'll have Chris put it in, uh, is a link to Daniel Oliver's latest research piece from Mermican Capital. These are selected paragraphs. They are not contiguous paragraphs. Um, these are selected paragraphs that I wanted to explain on the silver board because I think they're uh, extra important. What Oliver does in this research piece is he shows that every time that the Fed starts to raise interest rates, it usually takes about three years from the start of the Fed hikes for bank trouble to emerge and then for everything to collapse. But it happens every single time. It goes in this research paper and you should read it for yourselves. It is totally worth your time. Going all the way back to the 19th century, every time this has happened, whether there's a central bank or not, it's all the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun. So we'll start with this first paragraph here. And this is what I've been talking about with the battle between reverse repos and deposits in the banking system. So here he says, during the recent debt ceiling impasse, we'll remember that, yeah, the Treasury ran its cash balance at the Fed down to 48 billion. It was actually down to 23 billion in May and June. It was 23 billion on June 2nd. But then the Treasury balance spiked to $550 billion by July. Some market commentators expected asset markets to crumble as $500 billion was suddenly sucked out of the system. I talked about that. Many people on our side of the equation talked about that. They failed to notice that the Fed had allowed the interest rate on its reverse repo facility to become less competitive. And the facility's balance declined by $600 billion during the same time, meaning those $600 billion went into the bank system meaning a net $100 billion was pumped into the financial system. No wonder the financial markets shrugged off the increase in the Treasury balance. So the rise in the Treasury's balance did not cause a crash because the reverse repos uh, sterilized that uh, vacuum and actually pumped a net $100 billion in. And despite that, deposits are still falling. Next paragraph. These offsets are not random. They are a crude attempt to do what Grant is talking about. Ulysses S. Grant in the back in the Civil after the Civil War was trying to do in the 1870s and the Treasury in the 1900s move money around to prevent stringency in the money markets while keeping the overall quantity of money stable. Next paragraph. So we see here that this same game, whether they call it reverse repos or not, whatever they call these financial instruments, it's all the same thing. They're trying to keep the quantity of money stable while preventing tight money policy. It doesn't work because malinvestments still have to be liquidated in a stable money supply of raises interest rates, as we are seeing now. Next paragraph, we are still within the typical 24-month period within which few financial accidents occur, though the sheer magnitude of the debt and rapidity of the interest rate increases argue for an accelerated timeline. I agree. Uh, we may speculate as to why this period exists, most likely because of the term structure of debt. The fact that even the most reckless institutions have some equity or at least cash to burn through. And because bizarrely, 
uh, banks are still solvent because of an interest rate differential on savings versus uh, what they have to pay. But uh, we'll get to the next paragraph. Give it some time, he says, though not much. He says we have about two years because it's been about a year since the Fed began. It's been 17 months, actually, more than a year since the Fed started to raise interest rates in March 2022. There will be other larger accidents and the Fed will pivot. It always has. There is no choice other than a Great Depression style collapse, only worse since debt burdens are much larger. The difference with past episodes is that military failures in Afghanistan and the Ukraine have put the U.S. in a much worse geopolitical position. So we're talking about the possible collapse of the American empire in totality. And deficits are already exploding even before a Keynesian automatic stabilizer spending kicks in and taxes dry up. Final paragraph, and this is the key. Gold bull markets of the past four decades were driven by easy money, which also lifted stock markets. A panic out of the dollar this time would make those look tame and stocks would go down, not up. It is hard to imagine a better setup for gold or more enticing valuations for the gold miners. And of course, that extends to silver as well, and even more so. As Phil Connors once said, it's hard to imagine a better fate than a long and lustrous winter for the U.S. dollar. So folks, we've got about two years maximum. And after that, it's going to be one more round of printing. And in my opinion, we're going to see 15 to 1. And as I've said before, that will probably be the best shot to be able to buy a significant chunk of real estate for about 75 ounces of silver. It won't last long, but I do believe that it will happen. This is Rafi of the Endgame Investor. If you appreciate the silver report, then sign up for a two-week free trial of the Endgame Investor or become my patron on Patreon, where I talk about really old books and really old monetary policy going back thousands and thousands of years.